Yo, what is up? Welcome to Try Not to Blink, a podcast about the ups and downs, ins and outs, news, tips and tricks of those who live the optometry lifestyle. We'd like to thank the amazing people at Valley Contacts who have made this podcast possible. Of course, they are makers of stellar gas permeable contact lenses and the oh-so-incredible custom-stable scleral contact lens. In case you're wondering, which I know you're not, my name is Dr. James Diem. I'm on the East Coast repping PA, and I'm joined by my awesome, super talented West Coast doc, Dr. Roya. What is up? It's June, folks. It's summertime. It's summer. It's June. I think it's, is it the 21st that it's, effect, it's, it's like officially June or I don't summer? I do that stuff. Whatever. I don't know. It's June and it is shocking. It's hard to believe. I can't, I don't even want to. I know. It's, it is June. June is the month of optometry's meeting. Couple weeks away, everybody, optometry's meeting. We will see you in St. Louis. I mean, right now. Lucky for our listeners, I've taken moments away from my vacation that I'm currently on. I'm in <laughs> Greece. <laughs> How Psych. is the food? It's oh, super it's good, so right? bomb. It's so great. So many baklavas. Mm, all the feta cheese. Just like all of it. Just like Grape just shoveling it down. No, no, just feta cheese. That's it. I'm just turning white. <laughs> Everything is white and blue there, right? Like you see the pictures. Feta You're standing on one of those cliffs, right? Right mm-hmm. now, like with yep, the white half and naked blue dome yeah. buildings. Just with my headset and my microphone on. Love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Good. Well, listen, while you're over there, I've I've had this thing going on and you and I have talked about the, the fact that I'm slow and I talk too much and I'm disorganized. Well, guess what? <laughs> my my staff feels the same way. Whoa. So we are implementing, I'm testing the theory of scribes in my office. I think that would be good for you. And I'm, I mean, I'm consistently seeing, you know, 35 to 40 patients at this point And, you know, on a slower day, 20. And maybe I, I said, you know, look, I'm getting busy. We have those big, big busy days. I want to try a scribe. Let's see how it goes. So I wanted to know, first of all, Roy, did you, have you ever had a scribe? Do you currently have a scribe? I currently do not have a scribe. I don't know how in the world. I mean, granted, you have students. Do your students kind of scribe for you? Yes, they do. But you know what? It's such a steep uh, learning curve for them, you know, because I think they come in, they are learning how to do what we do. And, you know, like, so they go in and they just get to the point where they're not screwing that part up and they're learning how to be nice and how to talk to people and, like, navigate that and and then like it's like the next level is then teaching them what to put in the chart and then navigating the emr and so it's just they do and right now our students are at the end and they're they're great and so they are kind of you know doing everything and putting everything in there and i could expect them to have it in in the right place and what we want but that it's just it's unreliable you know it's true i mean i don't know how you see 40 patients a day when i see 25 i'm stressed yeah i don't have a scribe i have a tech though and my tech does my initial workup like i have my chart pre-filled i just do the assessment and plan and that still feels like a lot to me even like the like when you say assessment do you mean like the findings like no you're right you're right i put the findings in unless they've like they'll usually copy forward and then i adjust 
the hardest part for me, I think, in in all of it is like the tests, right? Like, yes. Oh my god, like, assessing the, the test. You have to like all the different like the the findings of the test and the plan of the test and was it reliable? Was it not? Or there's just yep. so much clicking. Yes. And back and forth. And like if I do plugs and then if there's yes. like this big dissertation I have to write about plugs, like yes. it's it's just a lot, you know. And and I've told you I'm doing a lot more uh, concussion patients and how just, in the like, world really, do you do that? It, I'm sorry. <laughs> I said, "How in the world?" It's a when very have... robust like history that I I have to write because they all have lawyers and they all are workman's comp and they all want their their letter and report like that day. Right. Um. So anyway, I need help, <laughs> and um. So we're we're looking at this, and so I found a couple good resources, and I just want to go over a couple of things. So number one, it says choose capable scribes. Scribes should have technical knowledge. They could serve as pre-testers. They should be comfortable with medical terminology, right? So you don't want to just pick somebody off the street to be your scribe. You need somebody who knows the lingo, right? Because you're going to just be like throwing stuff at them. And I tested it out today, and it's true, right? You need somebody who's who's who knows what you're talking about, knows the words, knows the terminology, knows how to spell, and um, also is a good typer, a good typist. Because yes. I tried one person out, and they're not they're not a good typist, and I didn't know that about them. So that's they're trouble. like one finger over here. Yep, click, that's click, click. Yep. I'm like, yep, not going to work. Not going to work. <laughs> nope. No offense. We're going on. We're going to try somebody else. So... Another thing is you want to uh, you you want to keep while the scribe is putting information in you want to try and keep your full attention on the patient right so in the beginning obviously this is tough because you're teaching your scribe how to scribe but still you know the point is you're trying to just kind of forget that that scribe is there you want to have an experience with the patient the point of you having a scribe is so that you can give your full attention to the patient so do that right um so that's really you know uh one of the the big things that that you want to to focus on don't don't you know have a side discussion with your scribe i think the whole um, point of a scri- scribe though is like <laughs> kind of following the whole 4 hour work week idea like you don't need to do the things that you don't need to do Right. right. You only need to do what you need to do. And if you can pay somebody less than the value of your time to do something, you could make your life easier and you could see yeah. more patients and not neglect those patients. Absolutely. In in this uh, article that I'm reading, it's describing in, in our office pays for itself because it saves one hour of time during a day. And we could see three additional patients. So an average revenue of $350 per patient, that is around $1,000 of additional revenue per day that could be generated by freeing up more exam slots. The real value, though, is that it lessens the stress on the doctor since they do not have to worry about noting every detail in the EHR. The doctor can spend more time talking to the patient about the recommendations, prescriptions, contact lenses, LASIK, dry eye, and other medical eye care needs. I mean, just just even prescribing medicine. It takes me forever, it seems, sometimes. Go into eScribe, oh, yeah. click into that, type it in, blah, blah, blah. Find their, you know, find their where they uh, preferred pharmacy. Go, yeah, Nightmare. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not an in extra... the system. I gotta go find it. So I'm I'm really excited about this, and I'm just hoping we could we could figure it out, make it work, and and make it a, ultimately better for the patients, my staff, and just better care. I don't want to make it seem like I'm zipping in and out of the rooms, not giving people the attention they deserve. Um, I, I want to make sure that I'm looking them in the eyes. I'm asking them about their day. I'm asking about their loved ones. I want to give them the the attention and care that they deserve, and. Uh, 
I feel like that's been lacking because I'm staring at the computer. I'm stressed about, you know, putting all the information in and I'm worried because there's three, four people waiting, you know? So well, I think another thing too, I was at lunch the other day with uh, friends of ours and my husband and we're just chatting and we're talking about work stresses. And I was like, there are some days where I've just worked up six people. I have six charts open because I'm behind and right. I forget what I told someone. I totally forget. Percent. I have no idea yeah. what I said to them. I yeah. know it was unremarkable, but I just don't remember. And they right. were like, oh, my gosh, you're a doctor. You shouldn't say that. And I was yeah, like, you should be perfect. I mean, like, it's not important. Like, the worst not thing it's not important, is but... like contact lenses. Like you're working with somebody. Oh, just my like God. A soft yeah. contact lens patient. Like because in our EMR, the contact lens portion is total pain in the ass. So oh, yeah. you have to like do all this clicking to find out, you know, like what parameters. Blah, blah, blah. Yes. Yes. Anyway. So it's like this huge rigmarole. It literally takes, you know, minutes to do. And that may not sound like a lot to, you know, non-eye doctors, but we all know that's like an eon. That's forever. Yes. And so, uh, you know, I free type it in or I'm like, all right, I'm going to tell the front office to do it and they'll do it. And, and then it doesn't get done. And then two weeks later, the patient calls back. They're like, I love those new contacts you got. Me. <laughs> and then the staff looks in the chart. They're like, ah. There's nothing in there, you know, like then I'm like scratching my head trying to figure it out and making <laughs> something up. Yeah. And, and I'm like, you know what? Uh, I just want to make sure you really like these here. Come pick <laughs> them up and grab them at the office and then, yeah. you know, come at, and then they come back and they get them. They're like, these are not the ones you got. Mine were purple. <laughs> this is a different package. Yeah. This is a blue box. I don't know what the <laughs> yeah. hell you're doing. So don't tell me out there that's never happened to you. No. So I think I, I think I, scribe whatever you can do to give better patient care. All of the doctors in my office have scribes except me at the moment, and I'm on the fence just about ready to do it. Yeah. it like is there's this line that I don't want to cross right. to neglect patient care. I get it, but then still, like I don't want to add too many patients to my schedule that I start neglecting my patients. But I think having a scribe could hugely transform my schedule and so i'm i'm just about at the ready ready for that but yeah anyway cool. speaking of never having enough time slash money we've got another fun topic to go into for today all right well the average optometrist has two big ticket items to consider while making that cheddar as they're working paying off your student debt which we know average optometrist has around two hundred thousand dollars of student debt and then saving for retirement. And so I thought it'd be nice to touch on both tonight. And by touch on, I'd like to do a little more. We've skimmed the surface while talking to Adam Schmela a couple episodes ago from Integrated Planning and Wealth Management. But he referred us to his, um, I don't know if you'd call him, I wouldn't say boss because you're a different company. But his, like, I guess right-hand man, if you will. Would you call that? I mean, I don't really know. Travis, what would you say? Well, I, I'm the specialist, right? Specialist. So I would be I would be the long snapper compared to Adam the being snapper. the Tom the Tom Brady, right? <laughs> so if you if you got extremely specific weird issues going on, right? That's, that's that's who he calls when it's like really crazy. There we go, Travis Hornsby, folks. <laughs> the long snapper. The long snapper <laughs> slash <laughs> founder. Super important, but nobody knows their name. No, I'm just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not. He nice. is the founder of Student Loan Planner, 
You don't um, want to know my name. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. When we, uh, except all of us need to know your name. Um, uh, he actually, pretty cool story. He helped his wife navigate her ridiculously complex student loan repayment options. Um, she's a physician, correct? She is, yes, yeah. But we have we've had a lot. We had optometrist friends like in Philadelphia. We had we had everything. Absolutely. We had, like, veterinarians dentist friends like and, well i heard everyone everybody. all of her friends basically came to you after you kind of like helped her yeah and then... like, well i was a i was a bond trader you know so like i made excel models for a living basically and <laughs> you know we started dating and like the loans weren't a big deal for her but i had never had debt like, i was super lucky because you know i just went to undergrad went straight into bond trading you know and so she was like, oh, by the way, I've got all this debt. And then <laughs> I thought it was easy because you just pay it back, right? Like that's what you hear right. on any personal finance, anything, is pay back all your debt. And then I realized, wait a second, she could qualify for this PSLF thing. And maybe she could qualify to pay based on her income and she could refinance. And it's a lot more complicated than just like, oh, you have a 7% loan. Like get rid of it as fast as you can. Right. And that's when I realized that it was way more complicated than I thought. And then, you know, kind of the cat got out of the bag that I knew stuff, you know, knew something about loans. And back in the day, that was like extremely rare. It's still pretty rare. <laughs> but uh, and then, you know, we've advised a, over a half billion in student loan debt so far. Wow. Holla. You know, I think it's it's uh, I remember saying it to my wife all the time because we're both uh, postgraduate professional school people with lots of debt. And we'll get into that. But I remember saying, look, we just need to figure it out. We could just figure it out. You know, it's all math. Right. It's it's there's got to be a way to figure it out. And I'd scratch my head and be like, I know, I'm sure I learned how to do this in some math course at some point in time. But uh, how could it be I that hard? Right. Yeah, but it yeah. is. You just feel so stupid thinking about it. I feel oh, there's stupid. There's got to be a way. I'll just figure it out. And I'll, you know what? I'm sure there's a calculator somewhere that'll help me get to the end thing. And, and honestly, man, I just, I couldn't ever really totally figured it out. So I, I just try my best. So I'm so happy that, uh, you know, our listeners are going to hear from you and get some, some real actionable answers uh, from you. Speaking of calculator, though. Yes. Tell us about your calculator, because I'm actually just ashamed that it took me having to do research for a podcast to stumble upon your calculator when I shouldn't have done this on my own when I needed to actually pay my own loans. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's on our site for free, so people can go and, and get get a copy. And what it does is it looks at all the different repayment programs like Repay-E, Pay-E, Refinancing, PSLF, everything, and it calculates all the different payment costs of each of the different programs and then it tells you like which one that we think that you should do and we even added on a net worth version of that calculator too as an add-on that you can use and you can see like when you could retire one day you know even if you have you know three hundred thousand of debt from going to you know one of the most expensive schools and you know only going out to eat a few times a week and school, right <laughs> I loved Never reading. Eating. I was reading the, I mean, I actually put it in and I put in even my current student loans and I was thinking, you know, if I did this, okay, I'm going to have my answer. And it's funny how you say like, yes, this is free and I'm giving this to you for free. Why? Like, because I know you're probably still not going to be able to figure it out <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Right. Like I That's, still am yeah. better at this than you <laughs> and I can help you. So if you need help, reach out, but otherwise well, try using it. <laughs> yeah. And, and just to like, I thought it'd be fun to go into, you know, y'all's situations. Cause you mentioned it on the episode with Adam. Uh, and I think it'd be pretty, pretty fun to delve into that. Like yes. let's pretend like you're graduating. Right. And let's see like maybe what we could have done differently. Yeah. Let's, right. do let's do it. I'll go first. Okay. 
Okay. Ladies right. first. So, yes. Yeah, so, so how much debt? How much debt did you have when you graduated? I graduated with one ninety eight thousand, one hundred ninety eight thousand. I only had okay. grad school loans, which is nice. Okay. Yeah. And what was your first job? My first. Like well, income. I had. I took one year for my fellowship, so I don't know if we count that as money, but that was what I think it was. Uh, Sixty, sixty thousand ish. Does that count? Pretty, or? pretty good that year. I know for a residency fellowship. That's that's maybe really fifty five or sixty. Yeah, I mean that's okay. not my that's my what gross amount, right? Like that's yeah, pre tax. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And what'd you make after that? My first year out of school, I made one ten. One ten. So like kind of like the national median, right? Yeah. 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 So you could go a couple different ways with that. So it, a lot of it depends on who you marry, you know, cause that right. has a huge impact on your loans. So yeah. let's just pretend that's not even in the picture. Right. Okay, perfect. So I, I know from listening to, uh, to Adam's episode with you guys that you ended up refinancing, yeah. right. Yes. And your, your current interest rate right now is five and a half percent. Right. It was, it's actually technically 6.21 Goodness gracious. I know. But and I have like a 0. 0.25 reduction because I'm auto pay. So I'm like 5.9-ish. 5.9. Okay. And then how much is your required payment on that 198K that you started with? I think it's one 1,800. <laughs> so are you on like a like a 10-year plan probably? Yes. Yeah. So you're on a 10-year kind of variable rate repayment plan? So here's... Here's what I would have done differently if your goal was to pay that debt off, right? Yes. As soon as you graduated you, and you didn't need any more student loan debt, so in your fellowship year, I'm assuming you, you didn't need any more student loan debt because you, exactly. you were in your fellowship, right? Yep. So you, you could have consolidated that debt. Now, when you exit you know, that grace period, your interest capitalizes anyway. So there's right. no way around having that interest capitalized. Can, so can you explain what that means? I'm sorry, but I did yeah. not know what that meant, and that's a big – that's a that's important. <laughs> so yeah, right. that's a great that's a great point. Interest capitalizing, it's like speaking in you know like I don't know like Aramaic or something, right? Diop, um, yeah, <laughs> like cling on. You know, excuse me, let me bring in my Klingon translator. So, um, so interest capitalization means like you borrowed like a specific dollar amount for school, right? Right. Like it was bucks. say like yeah or yeah hundred bucks whatever. So so what happens is that seven percent interest rate that you borrowed like. That does that doesn't compound on you while you're in school, but the interest actually grows, like right. as if it's like a separate pile of interest, right? Right. And so student loans are very different from other kinds of debt, where you know the the debt the interest does not automatically compound. So you have your amount that you actually borrowed, and then you have in the separate column you have your interest, right? And right. that interest just kind of gets piled on top of itself. So it's not exponential, except for a couple times. So some of those times would include exiting your grace period for the first time changing repayment plans, having your uh, you know income no longer qualify you for an income-based plan, there's a couple different ways that that interest goes into your principal balance, and now that interest generates charges of interest as well, right? Yes. Yes. So, so that, that's, what, that's what interest capitalization means. It just means that your interest goes into your principal balance and generates additional interest charges. It doesn't mean that that causes you to owe more money. You already owe that interest. That's already money that you have to pay back. It's right? just now you're getting interested on interest. <laughs> yes, exactly. Interest interest squared the wrong way. Right? Yeah. Instead of earning earning the money on compound interest, it's going against you. Wrong right? way. Yes. But that happens like once with income driven plans every time you do one of those key things and then it grows at a linear rate. 
Gotcha. That's that's very important. That just means that like everybody's thoughts about how like oh my student loans are going to grow so much they're just going to kill me. Well, that's not actually the case. Like the very worst case scenario is that your interest is going to grow at a linear, not a compounded rate, which matters a whole lot. Because it doesn't <clears throat> capitalize at, until the very end. Exactly. Like if you're on an income-driven plan, even if you're making like forty thousand a year, you know. I don't know, like, because you just had a nervous breakdown or something, or, you <laughs> right. know, you know, I don't know. Like, so if that if that's the case, then your interest is growing just like at this linear rate instead of compounded rate. So for example, if you owe 200 grand at graduation and you're doing one of these 20 year forgiveness plans at the end of the 20 years, you'll probably owe like 400 K and not like 800 or 900 or a million gotcha. because of that capitalization protection. So yes, the interest will grow. But it's not going to grow nearly as much as you would like think in your head if you just looked at seven percent and thought what that meant. Right. So right. then, so you it always capitalizes once, right? As you're finishing your grace period. Right. What so should I have case, done the right way? Yeah. So in your case, the 198k would have capitalized anyway. So right. that means that consolidating, which is another thing that capitalizes interest, would not have been that big of a deal. So you could consolidate your loans with the government. So instead of a private lender, you would have gone to studentloans.gov and yep. gone through the consolidation application yep. and that 198k would have been put onto the revised pay as you earn program yes. the revised pay as you earn plan so what that would have done is the prior year your last year in school you probably had a zero dollar income right exactly yeah so that that if you did that right when you graduated which a lot of the people listening to this podcast are about to graduate right if your yeah. goal is to pay off your debt and that's your goal eventually so the best thing that you can do is look at that prior year tax return and submit that as proof of income. That would get you a $0 required payment, right? Now, what the repay program does, the repay e plan does, is it takes your required payment and applies it to your interest. And any leftover amount of interest that would have gotten padded onto your balance, the government pays half of it. Hmm. Okay? Wow. So $0 wow. goes onto your balance. So you would have had probably about $14,000 of interest, Roya. And then... Of that fourteen thousand of interest, the government would have paid seven thousand of it. That doesn't get added back onto your balance when you eventually refinance. That's gone forever. Wow. Well, so the effective interest rate of your loan, and say you had a seven percent average interest rate, if you'd done repay E the first year instead of a seven percent interest rate, you would have had a three and a half percent interest rate. Come on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Can we Just go back? Is it, is it, can pissed. I like write in and ask for a change? Yeah, you can't. You can't. You can't pull an Avengers Endgame. I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not going to go into any more detail than that. But I'm assuming <laughs> that by the time this podcast comes out, you know, if you haven't seen it, I don't feel bad for you. <laughs> but, uh, catch you up. Know, but 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 you know, unfortunately, you can't go back in time and and, and change anything with that. But 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 the but but the, yeah. But the, but the thing is, is like it might have made sense to eventually refinance still. But what that did for you is during that $60,000 fellowship year, you prevented the interest from compounding on you. You got an interest subsidy that cut your effective rate lower than what it would have been with the very best refinancing deal. Right. You know, except for maybe a couple, like, you know, like First Republic has a, a better yeah. one. But, like, it's very difficult to get that interest rate. And then what's cool, too, is, like, when you would have recertified the following year, you could have used your 60K income. And that required payment would have been, like, three or 400 that would have gone against your interest, and then your subsidy would have been not seven thousand, but it still might have been like four or five thousand. Well, right? tell me this because it's based on income, right? But your income would get reevaluated, right? How often does it reevaluate your income? Because like Every year, my right? whole thought is like, if I would have done that, I mean, now I'm making 
more than double what I was making like my first year. So like, is it worth me to have even looked at that before? Like, I feel like when I was looking at those options, it would have eventually not made sense to me for me to just have aggressively paid it from the get go. Obviously, that's me assuming and not doing any of the math, but. Yeah. Well, so here's here's the situation, though, for that. So like what what I like about that strategy is it keeps your interest growing to like a very modest amount. So it keeps your balance from really doing very much of anything while you're doing other things that are more important. Hmm. And what I mean by that is when you graduate, you probably don't have an emergency fund. Right. Right. You probably haven't started contributing to retirement. You probably have not opened a brokerage account. We recently did a survey of our audience that found only 12% of people understood what a brokerage account was. Yep. So in other words, only 12% of people are going to have the freedom to retire before 60. <laughs> you know, so, so, that's, so that's a big problem. And so what I'm finding there is if your goal is to refinance, you know, one of the worst things you can do probably is to go right out of the gate and try to refinance it to a 10-year, you know, and just start making massive payments. Like, yes, you can do Good. that. I don't want to say that's Good. a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it's not <laughs> a terrible idea, but, but like, I think it's better to focus on these other things that are higher priority than, you know, it, but just simply because, like, the 3.5% interest rate, you didn't lose anything. You know, you kept yeah. your balance from growing very much, and you got the freedom to do some other things, like, potentially – you know, try out a new job or switch jobs from, you know, cause you don't know if you're going to like your first exactly. job. A lot, a lot of people don't like it. Right. Son and then if, yeah, if you're refinancing and too, like, what if you wanted to, you know, have kids? I think like Jimmy made a joke about that, like in the last podcast, right? Like those are expensive. You know, you don't know exactly, <laughs> you know, features. you don't know exactly what your monthly payment is going to be. So, so what I would have done next is, you know, you mentioned the lender that you refinanced with. So I would have shopped more places. I would have shopped at least three places. Um, y'all mentioned two places. Um, the other thing I, I'd say is, is, you know, get one of those, you know, optometry society kind of discounts or alternatively get a cashback bonus. We've got a lot of list of lenders on our site that we give a vast majority of what other sites earn as commissions back to the borrower in the form of a cashback bonus. So like other people would go click on like a big website they'd find on Google and, and the website would earn like 700 bucks. Like our site, we give... 500 bucks to the, you know, the person who refinanced and maybe we earn like two or 300, for example. Nice. Now what, what, uh, can you give us a couple? Yeah. Like, um, top of your head. yeah. So yeah, like our, uh, like common bond, earnest, uh, Laurel road, we have a tiered bonus. So like you can get up to 750 bucks, uh, with them. Uh, but you have to apply directly through our links cause that's how they track it. Gotcha. Uh, so like studentloanplanner.com forward slash refi has, has the list of several of them. Um, it doesn't have everything because it's very difficult to have all of the lenders in yep. the space. So you, you certainly want to check all the lenders you've heard about, uh, but also check some more. And I think that your initial rate that you got like would have been a better deal. So I think that they, yeah, so they probably went off of your tax return history and they probably said, well, your debt to income ratio hasn't been below two to one for long enough. So we're going to give you a rate that's like kind of better than what you have, but it's not amazingly better, right? It just like and held then, a very small carrot above my head, and I just went for it because it yeah, felt I like know. the well, right. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and that's and that's and that's a classic thing that people do in personal finance. I don't even like, like over, carrots. Yeah, they overvalue like the thing that's right in front of them. But it is right? better, right? I mean, she made the right decision. Did I mean, she not? I mean, if I would have well, done nothing, it probably was a better decision than doing nothing, right? That's what I'm well, saying. Right. So the only thing is, is with like 198K and with 110K, like you had choices to make. So you're, I know you mentioned in the podcast, I've said you're paying like 3000 a month towards your loans. Yeah. That's 3000 a month. That's not going into investments and retirement no investments. savings. 
And, and so that is a big concern that I have. So I find that 1.5 to 1 is the break even for refinancing versus not. What do you mean so by that? 1.5 to 1, what percent? No, a debt to income ratio. Oh. So, so I have $100,000 of, of debt from optometry school, and I make, a, you know, or sorry, let me flip that. I make 100000 a year, yeah. and, I have, and I have debt less than 150000 then refinancing is the clear thing to do there if you're not working for a not-for-profit, right? Interesting. So, so that's kind of the way I think about it in terms of the 20 to 25-year forgiveness strategy. Yeah. So in the case of Roya, like your debt-to-income ratio was, was above that 1.5 to 1 when you refinanced. I probably would not have done that without a lot more information, like right. what's going on with your future plans for your, you know, if you're going to get married or a, a significant other, like how does that come into play? Because that yep. influences it heavily. Yep. And then, uh, you know, what are your future plans for personal stuff? So like all these things, like basically what I try to do is make sure that somebody's life is maximized to the way they want it and make sure that the loan strategy max, like is matched to that. You know, you know what's and, interesting? I think that so many of us are so unbelievably locked in on the importance of this uh, student loan issue. You know, we all it's so, so topical, right? It's this big issue. It's like a big bubble. It's going to burst, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, a lot of us just ignore it throughout school and, you know, all right, we're going to take care of it. We're going to take care of it. And then, we, then we're faced with it, right? So I think we do one of two things. Either one, we like go full bore. I'm going to live like complete pauper. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to be so uber responsible. I'm going to get rid of it and get taken care of. Or we just like totally ignore it. Let's <laughs> just totally ignore it <laughs> and just say, do. I'm not going to deal with this. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to let yeah. it go and hopefully it disappears someday. I'm going to try and pick the longest, slowest, you know, way to, to get rid of it. And maybe that's the right thing, but I think, you know, there's this, there's, it seems like this gray area, this black box that nobody has the key to that, uh, we except cannot, Travis. yeah, except for Travis, apparently <laughs> <Except Travis. laughs> where there's like this balance, right. That's it's, it's not one size fits all though, is what I'm hearing. You know, like it depends on what you're making, what you want to do, what you're buying, your family side, right? Like it's not just as simple as, your 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 debt or your your loans right it's not that yeah. simple well and and i want to say one more thing about roy's loans before we start picking on jimmy please um, so <laughs> so so for <clears throat> for roy's loans your interest rate right now is six point something percent you could refinance that again and lock it in at a fixed rate and save even more money on the interest and possibly shave off of a year a year off of your repayment okay don't tell me that's a bad idea because i just did it <laughs> <laughs> you just, you just, you just, I you just, just refinanced. I just refinanced. I'm gonna go ahead and name drop. I refinanced with Laurel Road. Jimmy okay. and I got to split the little bonus. Booyah! And I went from a <laughs> 6.3% loan to a three and a quarter. That includes. Okay, well, th well there you go. It includes a solid little 0.5% uh, off for auto pay slash AOA bonus. So all you AOA there members. You go. Yeah. So, but that was, but you did that Fixed. after doing the, the, the SoFi refinance, right? I know I did. She did yeah. it like three hours ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it was official a week ago. Well, there you go. Well, so, but so, 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 so why am I even on the show? You already are taking all my advice. Yeah, right. I know. You, you, we just, you predict, you predicted what exactly what you needed to do. But, you predicted but, what I did without even knowing. We want to help yeah. the masses, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but there you go. So so what I want to show you is even if you're not an optometrist celebrity, 
you know, you can still get a better, you can still get a better interest rate. You know, if you've already refinanced someplace, you need to check every year because you might find a better place. Like somebody might say, hey, your debt to income ratio is better or your credit score is better or, you know, interest rates in the economy have gotten better so we can give you a better deal. Right. And also with that, you know, that that uh, autonomy society discount, you know, you can't usually stack those bonuses. You generally have to choose cash back or the or the discount on the on the bonus. But you never know who's going to give you the best rate oftentimes. So you apply a bunch of places, and if you happen to find the lowest rate at a place that will give you a cash rate bonus, hey, that's another 500 bucks. Exactly. And there's this thing called a, a refi ladder where you start with a 15-year, and then you that, – that's to minimize your required payment. And then you do a 10-year after a year or so after making extra payments more than you have to. And then you do a five-year refinance to get super aggressive with it. But you did that – in a laddered way so that you prevented your required payment from being, you know, 4,000 a month from the get go. So <clears throat> hindsight, if I could have changed one thing, I should have stayed on the income based repayment, whatever that option was, and Pays then refinanced when I was at a higher debt to income ratio. Yeah. Like you could have started off on the repayee and yep. just made extra payments, which actually doesn't impact the interest subsidy. Yep. And you you could have done that for maybe about a year of making super aggressive payments, and then you could have refinanced once you had a tax return that showed that 110k income. Yeah. Would you help somebody determine the best repayment number? You know, so let's say you did repay E, but you wanted to be a little more aggressive because you felt like you know you were putting money in other areas, but you still had some some funds that you you'd want to sock into that. Number one, is that good? Number two, um, how do you come up with that number? Yeah, well, we try to figure out whether or not refinancing or forgiveness is the be best thing to do. And if if forgiveness is the best thing to do, then you need to take all available dollars and not put it into your debt, but to put it into retirement, and put it into brokerage accounts. And if refinancing is the right thing to do, I still want people to maximize their retirement accounts first before paying more than a standard 10-year plan kind of pace on their student loans. Because I think the retirement savings are super important, and you can't go back in the past and max out retirement, unused retirement savings space you know, from prior years. Right? Do you talk with people on the phone, or do you email, do you text? How do you communicate mm -hmm. with people? Yeah, well, we, have, like, we really kind of have two businesses in, in one business. One is our refinancing links, which are on our website. Anybody can access those for free. You know, there's like a traditional kind of affiliate marketing kind of thing. And then we also have a service where we figure out what the best plan is for you. And that's our student loan consulting service. Okay. So, you know, so, so on the site, you know, that it's got a part of that on the menu bar and we figure out exactly like what we think you should be doing with your student loans. And that's, that's all we do in contrast to like a financial planner who has, you know, an extensive relationship as your financial quarterback we're like the specialist that you bring in when you need your gallbladder removed, right? <laughs> I love it. Is that what um, your wife does? She, does she remove gallbladders? <laughs> she, does, she does, uh, without getting too graphic, reconstructions of women's pelvises. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Very yeah. Interesting. It's it, important. It is. You know? it, yeah, it's, it's super important. And uh, yeah, she's made a lot of uh, you know, senior citizen marriages much happier. Let's put it oh, amen to that. Awesome. Good, um, good stuff. Yeah, so so but uh but can we pick on Jimmy real quick? Let's do sure, it. why the hell Let's not? Yeah, so wait, wait, so... wait. Hold on one. I I want to go back to my question real quick. So you got the two businesses. So let's say somebody wanted to do the consulting end. Mm -hmm. you, so how does that communication occur? Sure, it's all in studentloanplanner.com. So they could reach out to help at studentloanplanner.com okay. and 
tell us about their situation. Okay. You know, and, and then, then somebody we'll, would respond. Yeah, one of our CFP or CFA team members, uh, there's four of us, uh, would would reach out and and it's you know it's like 300 600 bucks. It's a flat fee. It's one time fee. It's a lot cheaper than working with a financial advisor. Uh, you know, and because it is like a, a one-time thing where we go in and it's like helicopter drop, we fix, done. we fix, yeah, we fix everything. We, we're, we are available like for six months after the consult, just if in case there's loose ends that need to be tied up via email. Okay. So it's not like we'll never talk to you again. Like that's not what we're about. We're about the transformation. And is there a guarantee with that? Like what, what is the deliverable? I mean, you're, and I mean, mm -hmm. I get it. I'm just wondering how you communicate that and what, you know, our listeners want to know, you know, Hey, look, I, I understand he's going to help me, but like what black and white, is there something we get? Yeah. Well, so you get the pre-work, you get the plan and then you get the six months of follow-up and okay. you also get the knowledge that 90% of people save an average projected amount of about $50,000. That's what I was looking for. Cool. Yeah. So that's, that's like, so, so that's 90% of people, maybe 10% of people don't, don't, we don't find savings for, we just confirm that they're doing, you know, most of the right things. I will say that 10%, we usually identify something that they hadn't thought about before, be it connecting them with resources about financial independence or brokerage account things, or, you know, retirement account, you know, things that they could read more about. Um, but we, I like the transparency of charging a flat fee and not a contingency fee where it's a percentage of savings, you know, much, much like y'all might want to, you know, not charge somebody a contingency fee for all the extra earnings they get by being able to see. <laughs> I like that. I you should know? do that. Yeah. You'd be a lot <laughs> that's, richer, that's a good right? idea. Be, shoot. We're, we're both in the wrong business, <laughs> right? right? Um, uh, that's what I should do. But yeah, so that's, that's, that's the approach. And, and again, like if somebody is way less than one and a half times their debt to income ratio, private sector, very clear refinancing case, go use the refi links. You can send us an email, like, you know, you're not going to get pestered or anything. Like we're, we're generally trying to make sure that people's need is matched up to what, you know, service we provide. If it's Are you mainly working with graduate students and professional students then or? I would say probably like 80, 90% of people have a professional degree that we work with because it's, okay. it's, it's targeted for 50K to a million dollars in debt. Our average client has about 280K in okay. debt. Oh. So we have, you know, we have hundreds of different clients in each different occupation. So we have like lots of dentists, veterinarians, optometrists, physicians, lawyers. Like we have a, a pretty broad view, but we also have, you know, dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of clients in each profession as well. Out, so out of the professional know. schools, what's the most you've seen in debt? Uh, like couple or individual? Uh, individual. Individual over a million. Come on. Three, three wow. times. Were they three reading times? out of golden tablets? Get the F out. <laughs> no, you Seriously? just go to an extremely greedy dental school and then you go to an extremely greedy uh, orthodontic residency program. Holy uh, oh my shite. God. Yeah. So um, yeah. You said so, three million? Is that what you're saying? No, a million three times students. three people. Like three people. Three of our clients have individually had a million each. Come oh on. Oh, my God. And this is why had, braces yeah. are such a racket. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I mean, we've had people at 1.8 million kidding. as a couple. <laughs> oh, yeah, my God. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, our, our, our average optometrist has had 267. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Well, yes. I want I want to talk and pick on Jimmy because that's like my favorite. Yeah, let's thing to do it. Do. I'm sorry. Also, I keep on I want us to talk about how I can retire by forty. So let's talk okay. About that yeah, too. we'll get we'll get to both. No, no, no big. Or maybe thirty five. So. Not that I'm <laughs> more, just thirty. More um, van rentals, I think, is the answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> So uh, now you need to get more of those celebrity optometrist deals for the podcast. Uh, we're right? trying, <laughs> yeah. bro. Um, we're trying. So 
So anyway, so for, for Jimmy, the, the situation that a lot of times happens is when two people have student loan debt, one person can do something like that they think is best for them individually, and the other person is doing something they think is best for them individually, but they don't think in concert. Right. And so what what can happen is, is like, for example, if you refinance and she's doing PSLF, then she's pretty much got to be doing pay as you earn filing separately or else your income is going to be counted in her repayment. Right. So I'm assuming she's doing that pay as you earn filing separate. She is. Yes. Married filing separate. That is exactly what we're doing. Yep. Right. So that generates tax penalties sometimes. Oh, penalties out the wazoo. It seems like Yeah, it's been a nightmare. (laughs) It's been a nightmare. So, so instead of filing separately, what you could have done is if you'd both done repay E, right? And then, okay. and you know, you can do. There's different plans for different situations, but I'm, for this situation, I want to give everybody the impression that repay e is always the right plan. It's not, but in this case, if you're both doing repay E, your effective interest rate it says seven on the page, but your effective interest rate would have been five because okay. of those interest subsidies based on your income. And I, I'm guessing. Based off what I'm guessing your incomes would be as a physical therapist and optometrist, right? So I did some math before the podcast just to come up with that. Yeah. So, uh, so, so the interest would have been controlled and it wouldn't have gone out of out of whack. It wouldn't have gone crazy, right? And the benefit that you would have gotten is your loans, Jimmy, as the non-PSLF borrower would have been the tackling dummy because you could have filed jointly and had one payment as a married couple, right? So your one payment as a married couple. Let's say it's thirteen hundred bucks, and you each have half of the debt. Okay, so then half of that thirteen hundred payment that's calculated based on your combined incomes, half of it would have gone to yours, and half of it would have gone to your wife's. Okay. Okay, but hers are the ones that are getting forgiven. So what yours did is it absorbed part of the payments that would have gone onto her loans that would have been forgiven. Hmm. Okay. On top of that, it would have eliminated the tax penalties that y'all have right. for the next ten years for PSLF. So if you if you do those two <laughs> things together, and, yeah, and and you Sorry, add in yeah, and, and you and you add in the like the couple percentage interest rates that you, you know points that you could have saved right. on repayee. Right. I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a jerk, but Jimmy's was Stop like talking, the, 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 the bigger screw up, you know. <laughs> but, but it's not, it's not the end of the world. Like you, you pay, yeah, pay as you are. Yeah, I'm just killing Roya right now. I wish y'all uh, could see she it. She loves so, it. She loves yeah. it. She loves but it. When it I sucks. Have it really sucks. It really sucks. <laughs> yeah, just, Listen, I, like, I want to try and save myself. Though, okay, so. <laughs> Really All right, so I just I went after it aggressively. Okay, so I started out with like two fifty, right? I said that before two fifty, two sixty, somewhere in that ballpark, and just you know I'm paying, paying you know just double time, triple time, you know as much as I can. I'm throwing it at it. I did a ten year um, ascending, so I started low and it would go high, that kind of thing. Ten graduated year, plan, graduated ten year plan. That's what I did. She went mm-hmm. right into the. Um, right into the PSLF repay or income-based repayment. And, uh, yeah, so that that's what we – and hers is, like, super small. And um, mine was, like, 2500 and now I'm doing, like, $2,800. Um, I, I have 40000 left. So I, I've, I've paid aggressively over the course of five Snaps years. Snaps that, brother. Yeah. But still, even <laughs> though, you know, I'm sure there – you know, I – like you said, you know, there's – other things maybe I could have done with that money um, instead of throwing it all at that. Now the complicated stuff is that she still has the same amount that she started with basically. And we are married to this income based repayment plan and public service loan forgiveness. And, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe she would have not worked full time 
you know, maybe we've done part-time. So, you know, now there's a question of, you know, because we did this, we're, we're married to public service loan forgiveness and filing separately because she is five years out of school and did nothing to her loans. Right. So like her loans are still exactly the same as what she started out as. Yeah. So, so can I explain how you might've been able to retire 10 years after graduating instead? (laughs) So so to tie it into what Roy is trying to do. So, 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 so here, so here's the thing. So, so if, yeah, so, so take your spending, Take your spending and your head, you know, minus your loans and stuff, multiply it by 25. That's what you need to retire. That's what you need to stop working and not need to really work ever again. Now, what do you mean take your spending? So take like six, if you spend 60K per year. Okay. Right. Multiply that by 25. That's $1.5 million. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So that's what you would need to stop working as a portfolio of say index funds of, of $1.5 million in value. Because they're going to generate an income that's going to be able to keep you floating for, what, 20 years? Well, really in perpetuity. So okay. so the, the long-run return of you know the S&P 500, for example, is you know about 10%. I think experts are predicting it to be lower for the future, so maybe like 7%. And you know, if you think about it, you know, the 4% rule is basically saying that you'll be able to pull out 4% of your money and have the portfolio grow with inflation. So what okay, is that? Four percent. So, so you're going to make forty grand on that, or yeah. no? Well, so, no. The, so, so the goal you, you've got a million dollars, right? Yeah. And so right now, like the S and P five hundred dividend yield is like two percent. Okay. So right right away, that's twenty grand, right? Twenty grand, and, right? And and then the other part of a return of the stock market, without getting too technical, is like the market actually has capital return too, where it grows based off of companies buying back their shares, and you know, like Facebook coming out with killer earnings, right? And, you know, like, like not every company issues a dividend, like a lot of companies just prefer to like use it to buy other companies and grow and that kind of thing. Right. Right. So that's why the the dividend yield is not the total return for investments. So, so if you have, you know, like basically just like that million dollars, you could probably pull out 40,000 a year. And then that million dollars would with a high probability last the rest of your life. Hmm. Right. Interesting. That's that's if people are interested in learning more about that, they can look up something called the Trinity Study, or they can also go to the Reddit Financial Independence Community, and both of those have super detailed, you know, explanations of the math behind it. If people are, you know, super weird and want to see that stuff. So does that mean you but, would live on forty k? Well, if you want to live on eighty k, you can do that too. You just need two million instead of a million. Yeah. Okay. Right. So your spending is really related to how much money you need, and what's kind of funny is your spending is also related to like how much you end up saving. Okay. Right. So your so your savings percentage, Roya, is what determines when you can retire. Right. So what we find is if you have a if you have fifteen percent of your money going to loans and investments combined. Right. Right. It loans investments retirement. Fifteen percent gets you to a retirement age of your late sixties to early seventies with you know two three hundred k of student loan debt. I'm not going to make it. Yeah, that's that's fifteen percent. If you do thirty percent of your income to loans, investments, and retirement. 30% gets you to the point where you hit that financial independence number, that 25 times your spending number in your 50s. Oh, okay. Give me more. And then if you do 50% of your money towards loans, loans, investing, and retirement, then you actually hit it in your late 30s to early 40s. Come on. Seriously? I'm almost there. Yeah. Just kidding. 
That's just yeah, and, and I'm talking yeah. about your contribution, and, and it's not as hard to do 50% as you might think. You might think, oh, shoot, taxes, I, yeah, that'd be my entire income because I pay 50% in taxes. Right. No, you don't, right? Like the, the listener, the average listener's effective tax rate, which is different from marginal tax rate, is probably around 20%, right? So you probably take home about 80% of what you make, you know, after all the deductions and everything. And so you can contribute to pre-tax retirement accounts. So for if you get paid 26 times a year, $730 a paycheck would get you a $19,000 maxed out 401k. $19,000 a year. And that's, that's how much maximum. percentage of your income you said? Well, so a for certain... a typical optometrist, it's probably 15 to 20%, right? But, but the, I tell people, try to aim for the maximum in your 401k. Right. So, for example, Jimmy, instead of paying all that money towards your student loans, you and your wife could have both maxed out your 401ks. So that would have been 19,000 times two. Uh -huh. So that's so that's $38,000 per year. So 38,000 times five is you know almost 200 grand over five years. Yeah. Right. And then that 200 grand probably would have had investment returns. Now the stock market the past years. Five years did incredibly well. Well, I want to thank our guests for joining <laughs> us here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so, anyways, like, so that's your two hundred k, right? And then say you took some of that two thousand a month and put it in a brokerage account too. So now you're maybe like hundred, hundred fifty k on top of that. So now you know for the for the actually less cash flow because you get the deduction on your four hundred one k, right? So if she had not wanted to work full time instead of feeling married to PSLF, if y'all had both done like a forgiveness strategy, like pay as you earn, right. then what I would what I would do is focus on optimizing your AGI, your taxable income. So I would have said, how low can I get their taxable incomes while still growing their wealth? And then if I can get it super low, I can get your payment super low. And okay. so if I can get your payment super low, then I take your debt, which says, holy crap, that's a massive bleep ton of debt. Right. Yeah. And I could have converted that debt into a tax and a tax. You try to pay as little as possible. And it's a basically a tax on your earnings for 20 years, 20 to 25 years. Right. And yes, there's a tax bomb. I don't want to get in too much detail with that. But basically think about it like, you know, 10 percent of your money is going towards the government in exchange for your optometry education. Right. right. You know, that's a really good deal to make one hundred ten thousand a year and lose 10 percent of it compared to just, you know, not. You, you know, a corporate job making 60K with no t extra tax. Right. Why right? is it that so, we have this like idea? So many of us have this idea, like just pay it off as fast as you can. Yeah. Where'd that because come from? Because it seems like in Susie reality, Orman, it's Dave not. Ramsey, <laughs> like every, every personal finance podcast ever tells you pay it back. And there's a couple reasons. It feels fantastic emotionally. Feels right? so good. It feels I'm good. I'm so goddamn it's, it's proud, amazing. Travis. But there's, but there's some things 40K that are not, left, bro. There's there's not there's some things that are really not great for you, even though they feel great, like you know having an affair or something. You know, Ooh, I mean, you know, maybe it. if maybe it feels great, I don't know, but you know, like knock on wood, never done it. So you know, yeah. so. You know, but but the problem is, is like what feels good doesn't probably make the most sense in a lot of cases. You know, Amen. like you have to think rationally um. about this stuff. You know, you have to think <laughs> using using math and not you know. So so actually, I would rather like have a different scream. You know, like a lot of people have these screams about you know I don't have any debt anymore. Right, your goal should be <laughs> I want to have zero net worth. So like I, I want I want people I want people to get on the, like these podcasts. And the reason they have zero net worth is because they have two hundred grand of assets and two hundred grand of debt. Right. So that's the that's the thing that we should have optometrists screaming is I have zero net worth. Woo! I like this. Then how are they supposed you know? to look you up? 
and and check up your net worth, Travis. Yeah, I don't know. That's you know, but but here's the thing though, right? So so just just real quick. So 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 what you could do instead of doing the like the debt repayment thing, right? Is and I'm gonna blow minds here. So remember the 20 year plan is like the private sector plan, right? Yep. So if y'all just busted your butts and done like 50 percent of your income into investments and all these things, and let's say that you know you even you know, house hacked and like bought a duplex and rented the other side. And like, you just went nuts and you just listened to all these financial independence podcasts and stuff. Right. Then what you could do is let's say you've got your, let's say you spend 40,000 a year, which is, you know, too low, but let's say you spend 40,000 a year, you got that million dollars. And on top of that, you have an extra 200 grand set aside for the tax bomb or even a hundred grand because it'd probably grow into 200 grand over 10 years. So if you have 1.1 million, you have a million that's going to spend the 40,000 for your retirement You've got a hundred thousand set aside for your future tax bomb, and hey, guess what? You just retired. Your incomes just went from like you know one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand down to like forty thousand. So now your payment on your student loan just dropped to two hundred a month from fifteen hundred a month. Hmm. Because it's a tax, not a debt, right? So now you could not literally not work at all for the next ten years, and your balance would grow at that linear rate instead of exponential rate that I talked about. And you'd pay income taxes on the forgiven debt, but in reality, I don't think you're going to pay any taxes because I think that a lot of people are going to call their Congress people and complain, and I think they're going to wipe it away. But you is know, that right? that's, not what, that's not what the rule is right now. But that's that's what I think is going to happen if I had to have a crystal ball. I don't want people like planning on that because like I'm hesitant to ever even say it because somebody's listening out there like more money to throw at the you know crap table in Vegas, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> like. But that's not a good thing to do, but. But what my point there is, if you had said, like, I want to retire in 10 years with, like, 500K in debt, you can actually make that happen with loan forgiveness programs. If you say that same thing and you want to pay back your debt, it's impossible, or at least it's impossible with a, a median, you know, income for an optometrist, uh, you know, out there. Hmm. Oh, my gosh. I'm, like, have a stomachache. Mind blown. So, basically, you could just travel for multiple years and make no money, pay off your debt because you made some wise investments, then come back and then joyfully work because you oh, want I got, to. I got a better one there. Oh I have God. clients that married Australians, and they live in Australia because Australians they have you know, permanent residency. have it right. So, so, get this. So, if you make – say you make 80000 a year in Australia. There's something called the Foreign Earned Income Tax Exclusion – so you can claim zero dollars of income abroad, up to a hundred thousand of U.S. dollars you earn somewhere else, right? Oh my God! So, so yeah, you have to pay taxes in the local place. So, like the only place you can get away paying zero taxes is is like Dubai, you know. But but you know, say you're living in Australia, paying taxes in, as an Australian, your U.S. tax return is going to say zero. Your payments are based on your income, right? So your U.S. income is zero. Therefore, your student loan payments are zero, and everything is in good order. Oh, what? my God. But so you gotta got to pay it just, back eventually. No, you just do the tax bomb, and if you don't have any U.S.-based assets, there's something called the insolvency exclusion, where if your assets are less than your liabilities, then the IRS forgives the debt because you're considered insolvent. You don't owe income taxes on the forgiven balance. But you do have to live in Australia. 
I, could, oh, I would that easily live so in that. terrible. With a beautiful, with a beautiful, you know, you know, flowing haired, you know, Australian husband or wife. You know, I, need, sounds, I was I wondering how a, you were going to do that. I need piece. to rewind. Yeah, I, was, I, I started into it and immediately realized it was a bad idea, but I had to finish it. <laughs> I was wondering how that um, was going to go. Yeah, 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 but uh, but you know, I mean, like I, I've had, I have people all over the world that have tons of student loan debt that have done this strategy because of various reasons. Personal, they just couldn't handle it anymore mentally. You know, just needed a total reset button. So, like, the the point is, is like, if you refinance your debt, like, you can get an amazing interest rate. Like, that's great. And then if you, can, you know, if you want to go for forgiveness because you want to retire in ten years, like, you can do that. And if you want to go move abroad and marry, you know, some random person and just you know learn a new language and just pretend that you don't have any U.S. affiliation anymore, yeah. you can do that too. Some folks you can do anything. Like so let me you ask you this real quick, because I we we I mean God Almighty, you guys need to get in touch with this guy. He is a magician, and uh, he just you know he's got he's got the knowledge. I'm so like personally ashamed of myself that I didn't soak it in. But so but sick. but is it is it too late? I mean, come on, man. Is are we all washed up and just gotta live with our sins for the rest of our lives, and we're just <laughs> screwed financially? We're just dummies, and that's it. I mean, what about no. folks that have made the wrong decisions? And I mean, we got to move forward, right? So there's got to be decisions and and ideas and ways to right? how often are you dealing with people that have that are five years out six years out they're more financially independent and they're like all right now what yeah so like here's the thing so i've, I've run these numbers a lot the calculator that i mentioned on the site yeah. actually yeah. has the tab, tab where you can put your own numbers in and see right. like how how bad you might have screwed up your finances <laughs> but but what but what i can tell you is is this is the hopeful thing going from a 15 percent savings rate to a 50 percent savings rate can shave as much as 20 years off of your retirement date. Wow. So that's a massive impact. Going from the absolute worst student loan strategy in the world, like if you made all of the worst mistakes, right, <laughs> that that will literally cost you at the maximum like three years. All right. So just, you know, Jimmy, two, you've got hope. <laughs> Two, right. two, or, two or three, two or three years. It really depends. But like, that's good. but that's can... exciting because, you know, He's, he's what, what smiling you, again, what, everyone, if anyone's wondering. Yeah. Jimmy's what can you come <laughs> out of his pits? <laughs> what can you control? You can control your savings rate. You can't control the past. Like, you can't control. Like, I've, I've made plenty of my financial mistakes, too, right? Like, everybody makes financial mistakes. And the question is, is what do you do now? And so, like, if somebody's sitting here, like, what do you do now? Like, one thing would be to minimize the carnage for the future. So if you made a lot of mistakes, like, uh, fix it now, right? Like, get your celebrity optometrist refinancing deal, you know, like Roy idea. Or, yeah. or, you know, make sure you're, like, at least minimizing the tax hit for your PS left strategy that you have now, right? Like, you can do a lot to minimize that damage. And then, you know, the next thing is, is do a lot to actually maximize your life. So increase that savings rate to where it's at least 30% towards loans and investing. I tell people 10% at least to retirement plus open a brokerage account somewhere and have an automated automated contribution. Do at least that, you know, in addition to knowing kind of like in general what's going on with your loans. And then if you really want to go next level, you know, max your retirement, put at least a thousand a month in your brokerage account. That's like the next level up, you know? Yep. And if you do those two things, you'll retire when you want to, probably in your fifties, you know, at, wow. at the maximum, if you do those things. Even that. if you screwed up your student loans. Travis, you are a overflowing well of just gorgeous knowledge, and I just love it. And what I need to know about you is what is your spirit animal? <laughs> oh, my spirit animal? Yeah. Probably like the Tasmanian devil. Oh, my God. Yes. I would have said it. 
I would have said that. Nobody, nobody expects how hard they bite. <laughs> they bite? Right. The Tasmanian devil bites? I think so. I mean, the. Uh, I, mean, I think they have the strongest per square inch jaw strength in the world. Didn't an really. alligator? Holy crap. All right. I do think you, so. Do Facts. you eat pizza, Travis? I love pizza. Uh, what kind of toppings do you typically? Do you do Hawaiian. toppings? Hawaiian, Hawaiian toppings. People eat that Wonderful. still? What, I didn't oh, even yeah. know. I didn't what did you have for breakfast this morning? Oh gosh, a <laughs> a um oh shoot, what is what are those things that's like breakfast burrito? Jack a jack I had a jackfruit kale smoothie. What the that's hell? Like Where do you a, live? Do you live in Seattle next to Roya? Come on. No, I, I live in St. Louis. Really? Nobody yeah. eats kale in St. Louis. I know. Doesn't so, jackfruit stink? I mean, Memphis ribs. You want to know how that happened? My wife yes. had a bunch of leftover kale that we weren't going to use, and we went to like the Chinese grocery store because my wife's Asian American, and we had this giant uh, jackfruit that was, you know, not going to keep, and I had to figure out a way to use it. So wait, is know, it jackfruit that, or the other thing that smells durian? Durian, durian yeah, that's super not jackfruit. Yeah, well, jackfruit. Jackfruit doesn't smell, you know, exciting. You know, yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. They don't smell the greatest. But, uh, but it's it's okay. I mean, it's it, it was it was. Tasty Did you know the uh, delicious and headquarters nutritious. of uh, the American Optometric Association is in St. Louis? Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, Shoot. it's in uh, right in your neighborhood. Yeah, it is. It's in it's in a really nice part of town. It's right by the American Orthodontic Association. Actually, it's on. Oh my god, I can't believe I can't remember the name. But it's in one of the nicer. Not that there is. A, there's a lot of nice parts of St. Louis, but it's in a, a whoa, area where whoa, there's whoa. lots of other right by the arch. <laughs> yeah, hey. no, no, it's nowhere near the arch. Actually, <laughs> I will have you know that we were a big deal in 1904. We hosted <laughs> the Olympics and the World's Fair at the same time. I love St. Louis, man. I I am not joking. I love it. I love the Central West End. I love the the park in the central west end there i love the the arch i love the city museum i love you know the arch the park, you know the, what the, the arch reminds standing. me of is what my uh, plane does when i pass over st louis yes <laughs> yeah fly right on over it it's a flyover <laughs> it's a flyover place that's what it is yeah rub it in rub it in y'all just yeah. kidding hey does... for all of our listeners though um, Travis had a pretty awesome offer that he told me and Travis, I'm going to let you describe it. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Like we have a student loan course that if you are like, especially if you're like a fellow or resident, you don't feel like you can afford the cost of, uh, you know, a consult with us, then we'll give one of those away for free. That's a wow. 199 value, I believe. Yeah. 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 So just, we'll have somebody reach out. We'll get you the code. You can take our, our course and kind of educate yourself on these things. Whoever's interested, shout out to us, um, either on our Instagram, Facebook, our website, just shoot us a message and we will link you all up. Um, but of course, if you want to just reach out on the website, I'm going to have it linked on our bio, um, to be able to get your knowledge. Uh, obviously this goes without saying, um, with Student Loan Planner, I hugely regret not doing something like this more strategic in when I was dealing with my loans. I think when you're looking at this loan and this huge debt you have to pay off, you think, oh, I can't spend another dollar. I need to just put it toward my loans. And so no, like not just saying it because it's you, but like having a plan, whether it be with a Student Loan Planner or something else, that is really thought through and really strategic is like I – would do anything to go back a couple of years and actually think these things through better. So I highly recommend all of our listeners to do that. 
Thanks, Roy. Just tell me what address to send the check to, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, just me, not Jimmy, though. Okay. That's right. He's already he's already screwed. You might as well just send it to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it for today. Before we go, like I mentioned, reach out to us for feedback, questions, stories, things you want to talk about, either on our Instagram or Facebook page. Call or text us, 920-350-8622. And, of course, we never like to leave without saying thanks to Valley Contacts for their support, both for the amazing lenses they make and also the great people they are to work with. Be sure to tune in and listen to our next episode. But until then, try not to blink.